Chris here with a quick note about today's episode. It's a two-parter. There's a big reveal on today's page, and it required me to circle back to previous pages to put the whole plot so far into a new light. This was an exciting thing for me. I do love a good retcon. I may have gotten overexcited because I managed to pretty much squeeze all the contents of today's actual page out of the episode. So enjoy this podcast time machine tour of the story so far, and join me next time for the conclusion when we'll pick back up in the present and identify the dumbest thing on this page in its full historical context within the fiction. You've got to treat the material with respect. Uh, I, I think my respect for the material will come across in these episodes. That's it. Enjoy part one. Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this season, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every single goddamn page in a trio of adventure modules for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes RPG, starting with Adventure MT1, All This and World War II. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. All This and World War II was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 46 of All This and World War II. That means that for 45 pages, plus a cover and a page of front matter, I have been concealing from you, the listener, the shocking secret behind this adventure's plot. Now, all can be told. Today, we follow Ford's Furies. All four of these mighty American heroes arrive back at the American command post in Italy. All ears and Scoop have just returned from Hitler's secret bunker where Scoop was briefly brainwashed into serving the Nazis, and All Ears narrowly escaped death at her hands. Iron Blood and Cub Scout, meanwhile, have just returned from Romania, where they fought a goddamn vampire in an effort to liberate a futuristic saucer weapon from a Nazi laboratory. Our heroes are tired. They are anxious, awaiting a battle to come with Nazi forces. Quote, After all of the heroes arrive back at the American command post in Italy, they will receive a message from General Dozer asking them to report to his office once all of their comrades have returned. End quote. Once Ford's Furies respond to the call, the judge reads the following text. Quote, You all arrive back at the American command post and arrive to find Dozer and Holland awaiting you. Dozer says, Ah, come in. There is someone here that would like to talk to you. Suddenly, a horrible raspy voice shoots out from behind you. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to meet Project Orion. The worst part is that you recognize the voice as that of the Red Skull. Before you can get a grip on the situation, the Red Skull and ten Nazi troopers have machine guns trained on you. So does the American General Dozer. That's right, General Dozer, the last person we ever would have thought to suspect. Well, in this as in every scenario, Anthony Holland is the last person we would ever think of for any reason, including suspicion. But other than Holland, Dozer is the last person we would have expected to be secretly in the pocket of the Nazis. As Ford's Furies face this stunning betrayal, their minds no doubt scan backward over the events of the past days, trying to make sense of this turn of events, just as, no doubt, your mind is reeling back to the eight weeks of this season so far, considering how this new revelation fits into the carefully constructed plot of this adventure. Unfortunately for our heroes, they left their time machine in a gully, but our podcast time machine is fully functional. So step with me into the podcast time machine as we take a look back at what was happening behind the scenes throughout this adventure so far. First of all, let's turn back to page 14, which is mostly a giant picture of Red Skull smoking a cigarette with a cigarette holder, but also contains textual evidence that he is a bad guy. Quote, shortly before the adventure begins, the Skull's scientific advisors completed work on the experimental hypno-wash device. 
the Red Skull has used this device to brainwash General Thomas Dozer, and has had Dozer return to the Allied High Command, where he now functions as a spy. Once again, we get Thomas Dozer here. When we know that it's William Dozer, it says William Dozer elsewhere. I assume this is just a mistake, although perhaps the timelines have split, and there are now two Dozers. Maybe this is a Will Riker-Thomas Riker situation, where their lives have diverged down different paths, so that now one of them can barely hide wanting to fuck Deanna Troy, and the other one cannot remotely hide wanting to fuck Deanna Troy. Could be. There could be two General Dozers. A question for another time. But let's leave it for now. You have only one mind to blow, and I don't want to waste it on this bullshit. Next, set your podcast time machine to page 16, where we find the entry for William Dozer. Quote, just before the adventure opens, Dozer was captured by the Red Skull and brainwashed with the new HypnoWash device. The Red Skull then returned Dozer to his command, where he functions as a secret Nazi spy. Do note that this happened just before the start of the adventure. Also, you'll recall that the dumbest thing on page 16 was the failure to use General Patton here instead of General Dozer. I feel that American players at least, having an existing pop culture and sort of national consciousness relationship to Patton, would see him as a celebrity cameo and would never suspect that he's secretly working for Red Skull. So I think that the twist would be much more effective. And in real life, Patton gets benched shortly after this because American leadership is not too keen on the way he's been conducting himself and keeping him off the table tricks the Nazis into thinking he's going to be a bigger part of upcoming operations. Everybody's wondering where's Patton while the allies are really working on something else. That would make a lot of sense for a general who was brainwashed by Red Skull, then recovered and escaped Red Skull's brainwashing, naturally the Axis would worry about the grudge and the potential secret knowledge that this general might have, but at the same time, American leadership might not fully trust him back on the field. So removing him from combat operations and letting the Nazis wonder what he's up to would have been a great solution, would have dovetailed very nicely with real life. I don't really have a gaming point here, it's just that I feel I was more right at the time than I was able to explain, and I just wanted to circle back to fully express how right I am. I see now that that's an irresponsible use of time travel technology. Moving on. Our next stop in the podcast time machine is page 31, where our heroes return in their time machine to 1943 to find themselves facing Nazis on the battlefield, as well as what will turn out to be a much more stubborn foe, a gully. When our heroes arrive, their time machine is stuck in that gully, and they witness three American soldiers being attacked by Nazi forces. One of those soldiers is General Dozer. Remember how the judge is instructed not to allow Dozer to be badly hurt. This is mostly because Dozer is necessary for the plot moving forward. However, it's also possible that the Nazis are deliberately pulling their punches. In any case, our heroes intervene to save Dozer, little knowing that he is a sleeper agent for the Red Skull. It is Dozer who invites the heroes back to the American camp, Dozer who informs them that the entire area will soon be overrun by Germans, and on the next page, Dozer who receives the invaders' report of Nazi superweapons, and finally signs off on whatever kind of transportation our heroes need to get to Castle Vladistopol and Hitler's secret bunker. On page 34, just before we follow our heroes on the two branches of the superweapon quest, we get the following, quote, Dozer's plan. Don't forget that General Dozer was captured and brainwashed by the Red Skull before the adventure began, and slipped back to the Americans so he could function as a spy. With Holland and the invaders around, Dozer has little choice but to give his full consent to any attempt to attack the castle and Hitler's bunker, lest he reveal himself. As soon as the heroes set off on their missions, however, Dozer will slip away and contact the Red Skull to warn him of their coming. The Skull will then see to it that both of the hero teams receive a rather nasty reception. You may imagine Red Skull on the phone with Dozer, nodding, nodding, suddenly grinning. Oh, they're coming for the superweapon, you say? I just might have something for them. And looking over to the cartoonishly labeled jar of Shift-X knockout gas 
sitting on a cupboard next to the phone. Yes, just for this special occasion. Red Skull decided to break out the Shift-X knockout gas, and this is explicit. Page 36, Podcast Time Machine, go! Quote, After Dozer informed him that the heroes were coming, the Red Skull set up this gas trap. You remember the one? The two falling walls of magical Nazi bullshit steel and the Shift-X knockout gas? Red Skull whipped that up in response to General Dozer calling him on the phone and telling him the superheroes were on the way. Similarly, if you'll follow me in the podcast time machine to page 42, you'll find that when the other half of the heroes fall afoul of Baron Zemo's knockout trap, the text says, quote, When General Dozer informed the Red Skull that the heroes were coming, he alerted Baron's blood and Zemo at the castle. Baron Zemo then rigged up this little trap. Now, I do have to make a small correction here. I said on page 40 that Baron Zemo set this up in one hour, but in fact, the timeline is a little different from that. The text is explicit that when our heroes are discussing what to do about the Nazi superweapons with the invaders at the American camp, it is 4 p.m. By the time half of our heroes and half of the invaders arrive in Romania and touch down at the airstrip, it is almost 9 p.m. From here, there may be as little as a short conversation and a pickup ride from the airstrip to Castle Vladistopol. So that gives a little under five hours, not one hour, for Zemo to construct the device. My mistake. Now, Project Orion was not without foreshadowing. If you return with me to page 39, you'll remember that while our heroes were searching the bunker, quote, also located on the lab table is another pile of notes discussing the Red Skull's hypno-wash device. These notes make constant reference to a, quote, Project Orion, which was apparently the hypno-wash's first full test. So assuming that our heroes thoroughly searched the bunker, they would know that there is such a thing as Project Orion, where the hypno-wash was used on someone. That brings us nearly to the present, to only hours ago, when evil doings were happening in the background, as described on this very page. That brings us to the present, and that brings us to the end of part one. Join me next time, when we resolve General Dozer's betrayal, Red Skull's ambush, and an iffy chain of custody related to a certain inescapable book on MDC, The Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact the show however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Podbean, Gmail, Instagram, etc., etc. This episode's theme music is Robinson's Grand Entry March, performed by the United States Air Force Concert Band. Thanks for listening.